You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. to be back with all of you. We have Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center here with us. You can learn more about him and his work at CredibleCatholic.com. Again, that's CredibleCatholic.com. We're going to be diving into the spiritual works of mercy. Earlier this week, we talked about the corporal works of mercy and how this is a form of almsgiving that we can live out during Lent. Remember, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving were called to all three. So stay tuned a little later on. In the meantime, Father Spitzer, I want to talk about this New York Times opinion piece that came out. So I was really fascinated because the title of it was Men, You Need to Listen to Women. (laughs) Now, I was intrigued because I thought this was going to be a piece about the difference of the sexes and how sometimes, you know, and this isn't just men and women. It's not just, you know, a male-female thing where just men don't listen, but where, you know, a woman could be going on and on talking about something and, you know, my husband will do this sometimes. "Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I think he's listening. I'll say, well, what do you think? And they weren't listening the whole time. That's what I thought the article was going to be about. But then Mm -hmm. the beginning of the article tells a story somewhat like that, where Mm -hmm. the woman's trying to get a word in edgewise. She's not able to get the word in. And the whole time, this person who's speaking to her is speaking about this great piece that was in the New York Times and about this woman who basically wrote talking about how more women need to write up and share their voices. And the whole time the woman's trying to say, the article you're telling me about is me. But the man wasn't listening the whole time. And it was so interesting to me because she makes it this story about how men never listen to women. Yet in reality, she turned the whole piece into not that men need to listen to women, but the men just need to do what women say. And let's let's be honest. And I thought about this, Father, and it's interesting because in this feminist battle in the culture right now, women are asking to be heard. They're asking to be the dictators of our culture right now. Oh, well, yeah, I guess you'd have, always have to be really discriminating what they're really asking for. And, you know, if they, you know, if they're asking for to be a dictator, well, that's not a very dialogical position. <laughs> so uh, I'd probably honestly bow out. But if uh, they want to be heard, that's a reasonable request. And, yeah. and, uh, and that needs to be accommodated. And so I'd probably just say, I, you know, you just have to have that discerning ear. Sometimes you can really tell when somebody is, uh, you know, doesn't care, uh, you know, very much about anything except you doing what they say. Right. And so uh, I, I know how to uh, sort of eschew uh, these sorts of things. But uh, but uh, sometimes, you know, you, you get the, uh, the the rug pulled out from under you. But, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, nobody has the right to, to be a dictator to anyone. Uh, but you, we all have a, a, an obligation to listen to one another yes. attentively and try to muster the understanding that we can get. I mean, sometimes I, I'm not sure, you know, where a person's coming from, or why they're saying. And then, the, the, for me, the discipline is to ask the clarifying question. I think I want to talk a little bit about just the issue of listening overall. But before we go there, I do want to touch a little bit more on how this seems to sometimes be the theme of a um, kind of 
feminism where they say, you know, be loud, be nasty, and that's okay. You know, this is something we saw with the Women's March where they're literally wearing, I can't even say the word on the air, I won't, those cat hats on their heads, pink cat hats, and they have vulgar signs on their images. And, you know, it's one of those moments where women are saying, yeah, just be nasty, be loud, that's okay. And what's unfortunate is that it comes across as incredibly condescending uh, toward men Mm -hmm. and even condescending toward women who are working to respectfully have a say in society. But instead, there are pieces out there like this where women kind of just start complaining and pointing fingers at men. And, you know, it prevents that bridge from being crossed between the two sexes at a time where we're just continuing to kind of bash on men in our culture right now. Oh, yeah. I I would say that, you know... uh... Anybody who knows anything about communication will tell you if you're using swear words, you are not going to be enhancing communication with any party that you are trying to communicate with. I mean, it's just the the minute the swear words come out, either people write you off as a crude imbecile who can't muster anything better, or they think you're a hostile party and I've got to be defensive. So, I mean, the, the idea that, you know, you would uh, do that. And then if you come on like Ponzers going across the Ardennes, um, you know, again, uh, people become defensive immediately. So, she, you know, this particular article seems to me to have a, a pedagogy that's aimed at failure uh, because yes. I, I don't think she would convince a single man with that kind of pedagogy <laughs> that he ought to listen It'll do just the opposite. It'll be, uh uh-huh. Right. And it was interesting because there ended up being a bunch of letters written into the New York Times in response to the article. Mm -hmm. And some of the letters, you know, some of the men, both men and women responded, but a lot of the men kind of commented, like, do you really think that shaming us into listening is going to work? You know, it's just adding more chatter to the background. And I think that in a culture right now where there is so much noise, there is an element where we do need to talk about listening where there is so much overall problems with we fail to listen to each other. We have a culture of noise, you know, and that could be actual sound, you know, the pollution of actual real sound, or it could be, you know, the pollution of far off crises in the world where we start to hear people say, you know, I feel so helpless. I feel so upset. I don't know what to do. And people are overwhelmed over and over again with waves of just shock and despair across the world where we're at the point where we can't even listen to, well, actually, just my neighbor next door needs a little help with groceries this week. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and that is something I can help fix. And maybe we wouldn't feel so helpless if we were listening. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, listening's a a real discipline, but it also has to be followed through with the attempt to understand. And uh, so asking clarification questions is always good. Sometimes I think I understand but I find out that I didn't understand, you know, as I should have. So um, uh, it's always a kind of a, a real challenge to try and get that deeper understanding. And then you've got the will, you know, what kind of judgment do I need to make? Uh, do I need to do something? Do I not need to do something? What's in the best interests of them? What's in the best interests of our common good, et cetera? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. It, we just can't be there to please people. We have to be always looking for how does this help the culture? How does this help the common good? How does this help our relationship? Uh, so we don't want to be pleasers either. Uh, what we want to do is be real open communicators 
but always looking for how to achieve the common good, not just to give advantage to one party or another. That's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You can listen to all episodes of Trending. You don't have to miss a single one by heading over to radiotrending.com. In fact, only available on the podcast. My husband joined me for an episode of Trending that was an absolute blast. I promised him (laughs) I wouldn't make him go on the radio, though. So if you want to enjoy that, head over to radiotrending.com. You can listen to a little bit about our story, and we answer some of your questions. Father, as I'm reading right now, I'm almost done. It has been a year-long process trying to read this book, The Power Mm -hmm. of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. Uh Uh, And he, at the very end of the book, he is interviewed by Nicholas Dayat along with one of the Carthusians. Uh And it's so neat reading through it and to hear the perspective of the head there of the Carthusian um, monastery, it's fascinating as he's talking about the issue of noise and inability to listen. And at one point he's being asked, like, kind of how do you, you know, filter through all of the sound that's out there? And he said, well, I have to say I come from a different perspective. You know, we don't have the television, the, you know, the computer, the cell phones. We don't have all of that constant kind of sound knocking at our door but he does say at one point i feel like it would almost be impossible in a culture today to really pull back and find that silence for just a moment and it really did stand out to me because i think we are so overwhelmed by noise that we can't find that common ground with others or even hear god's voice speaking to us oh no and there's also the fear of silence it's not just you know, that we're habituated to continuous background noise. I mean, we actually get into a mode where if we don't have the radio on or something is not, we're not taking in data from something or, you know, the the iPad is going or whatever it is, funny things will start welling up from our subconscious mind, from, you know, things that we've been thinking about and sort of stored away to for another day. But once you've got that silence, things start coming up, and we just almost have this impulse. Where's my computer? Where's my radio? Where's my data inputter? You know, Put on the TV while I'm eating lunch, exactly. you know, whatever it might be, to just fill that space so that I don't have to look in at myself. That's right. And so my thought is, is even though it's hard, and it is hard, I know in this culture it's, it's as hard as it gets, But we have to take a moment to sort of put aside some time where there's not going to be media, anything else, and just let things percolate from our subconscious mind to the surface. That's when we get so much, so many good things done. People who fall asleep watching the TV or listening to the radio or whatever they do, it's just a waste. Best part of the day sometimes is just when you're, you know, sitting there before you go to sleep and you're just thinking, hmm, you know, as things are percolating up, percolating up, don't you find that you get some of your best ideas right while, you know, you're just in that mode where you you really do let the silence kind of come in and all of a sudden you get those eureka moments or you just 
you know, find insights that'll help you to, to move ahead. It's so true. And I mean, I'm one where I knew last night going to bed, a lot was going on. I thought, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I just yeah. felt it coming and I grabbed my notebook. I put it next to the dresser yeah. and okay, whatever comes, kind of a new idea. Maybe yeah. I plan a show for next week a little early instead of, you know, doing it a little later. You know, it's just, it's interesting because that silence at night, it can be sometimes productive for work or productive for, yeah. you know, personal situations or just productive for kind of allowing your thoughts to kind of flow as they need to and yeah. kind of resolve almost the unresolved little things throughout the day as bigger or as small as they are yeah that's right that's right and so uh no as far as i can uh, as far as i can determine uh, you know this that silence is golden as the song goes and i would uh, encourage anybody to seize those opportunities of silence and even make opportunities for silence uh during the day and of course, uh, I, I always recommend to set aside 15 minutes of time as sacrosanct to at least do some form of contemplative prayer. It's just three decades of the rosary, a few prayers out of the Notre Dame prayer book, whatever it may be, you know, however you work it, or just looking at the, the, the readings for the Mass. That 15 minutes that you spend with the Lord in prayer, just saying those things, it, it's fantastic time because sometimes as you're just coming off of that prayer, that's where the the best insights you can have are uh, come to you, and that's where you really have those moments where you want to do deeper transformation and, and so forth. That's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You're listening to Trending with Timory. As I keep thinking of this silence and the necessity for it in our culture, I keep pointing back to this loss of the common ground with other people. We think that we have common ground with people because we know about the problems in Syria, because we know about all the different stories and sometimes the personal stories of people right now who have the coronavirus or being seriously impacted by it. You know, we think, man, I'm really in solidarity with the world because I know what's going on. (laughs) But again, that news stream that's constantly around us we lose sight of our neighbor and we lose sight of just just being quiet in the presence of others mm-hmm. and observing even, you know, their body language or, you know, the little things they say that have such a deeper meaning of what's weighing on their own hearts. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question about it. So, you know, as far as I, you know, as, as I'm concerned, you know, I, I do intentionally turn stuff off just to become more aware of the people around me. Uh, for me, the one of the great losses the family's not having dinner together, that they're all doing something or looking at some text or, you know, it's it's crazy not to have that great communication across the table. And, uh, um, you know, in the house I live in, uh, there is a, a community meal when, uh, when we're all present together. And it's, it's, it's important and it's good. It's, it's human. It's deep. It's, you get good advice, you know, and it's, it's the way to proceed. I think the deeper issue here with regard to listening is ultimately it goes back to the problem of listening to God, that we are so dissatisfied. We're afraid of the deep truths that we will stumble upon and what it will challenge us to change in our life if we're quiet. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, some of the stuff that boils up, you know, is not pleasant to look at. And some of the things that boils, some of the things that boil up don't even have any specificity. It's just like a spiritual emptiness or alienation. and But that's really important to see because if I'm experiencing this, uh, you know, if I don't have that peace or I don't have that sense of, 
you know, God is with me, everything's okay. And, but the, the, it seems like the, the spiritual uh, desolation, the, the, that kind of emptiness or loneliness or alienation or guilt is kind of weighing on me and pushing on me, pushing the peace aside, my confidence in God aside, um, you know, then I should take note of that and say, okay, what am I being called to? What am I doing, you know, or maybe what are my attitudes that maybe God is calling me to change? And sometimes, honestly, God, as St. Ignatius of Loyola discovered, he does use these feelings of consolation and desolation, right? These feelings of emptiness, alienation, loneliness, and guilt. He uses them to communicate something to us profound about what we need to do, where we need to go. The problem of listening to God, I see very prevalent among <coughs> young people as well, even young people who want to go deeper in their faith, but maybe they don't know where to go. In fact, there's a listener who wrote into the show just a couple of weeks ago, and the statement really took me aback for a moment because I thought, huh, what, what an odd question. Yet at the same time, I understand. And if you're listening, I say that because we sometimes wait for a sign to get an answer to something. Here's a question. How do I know if God wants me to be more Catholic, essentially to dive deeper into my prayer life? Like I'm Catholic, but <laughs> he how, does. how do I know if God wants more? And yeah. we're not laughing at you, but I'm laughing at the fact that our culture is so noisy. We're not even aware of the fact that God so desperately wants us with him. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, this is not uh, laughable, but we can be absolutely sure that God wants us to be more Catholic and he wants us to to dive more deeply into our faith because that's going to connect us ever more deeply with him and on the road to salvation. And then we're going to be able to help other people towards salvation. So this is uh, really, really important. But you're right. The, the noise is there. We're so confused. We need verification for the obvious sometimes because, you know, we we just don't have a a real sense of our principles, our goals, our ideals, where, you know, what's our life's purpose? What, what, where do we want to orient ourselves to? What, you know, as, answer me this question. What are your three fundamental, super important goals that you want out of your life? And, you know, if it's just you say God, family, and country, fine. But you know that's a good thing. But if you go, well, let me think about that, that means you know, you're wandering in an abyss. Mm. It means that, you know, all roads will get you there because there's no there to get to. And so um, um, uh, I think it's so important uh, to, to get those goals. And then that kind of can put a little bit of, uh, of um, uh, you know, definition to where we want to go. And I would go back to those four levels of happiness, but at the same time, let yourself be guided. And here's the key principle to remember. If you want to let God guide you someplace, then go into the silence and pray. Give yourself some silence and pray. Then God will lead you somewhere. He can lead you somewhere. You're going to have the openness to pray. Otherwise, what you're basically doing is forcing God to you know, sort of bring alienation, emptiness, and loneliness into your life to say, you know, Spencer, it's time to change. Or you're forcing him to wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a nightmare and going, I wonder why that happened, or I wonder what that's all about. You know, and you don't want to just wait until, you know, God is almost taking desperate measures to communicate with you in your freedom. 
remember, he's not going to push you into the good. He, he wants to draw you into it. But, you know, he's going to get your attention. My thought is, you know, he's not going to leave you behind. Um, if you give him some silence to guide you, he'll seize the opportunity. But you can help him guide you by establishing some of the goals of your life. And I would say I, I can give you two starter goals. Number one, get myself to heaven. Mm. Number two, get my family to heaven. Number three, get as many people as possible to heaven. And if you have those as goals, then you can fit everything else around it. But that, I think this is a blip in the whole order of eternity. If we forget it for a moment, if we let the culture with its immediacy and its tactile things just say, oh, well, that's intangible, live for the now, live for the tangible. If you do that, you'll be no better than those poor victims in Plato's cave sitting there counting and looking at all the shadows on the wall of the cave, thinking <clears throat> that they're seeing reality and letting the real objects and the sun behind it, the fire, all go aside, not even knowing what to live for, what's real, what's the really real, what's the good. And of course, all of those things are God. And so uh, I think, um, anyway, I've said my piece I think you help God immensely by saying, I want to get to heaven, I want to get my family to heaven, and I want to get as many people to heaven as I can. If you do that, you can say, I've got gifts as a lawyer, so I'll do it this way. Great! I've got gifts as a doctor, I'll do it this way. Fine! I've got gifts as a teacher, I'll do it this way. Fine! You know, you can fit all those things around it, but just move toward your heavenly goal. And what, why else do we have Lent? But to get ourselves free from all those attachments that, that hinder us from getting to the real goal, to shake free, to detach ourselves from all those things that scream out, I'm tactile, I'm immediate, I give immediate gratification, follow me. Don't follow them. Follow God. Follow the intangible. Follow the really real. Follow the perfect good. Follow the, the, the impetus that's given to you through the concreteness of Jesus' own body and blood in the Holy Eucharist. Follow the church. Follow the teachings of the church. You can't get more concrete than that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to make the choice. That's Father Robert Spitzer. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You know, people ask, well, how do I know if God's calling me? Well, start by living a sacramental life. You know, you mm -hmm. just talked about, you know, being dependent on the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe start receiving communion a little more often throughout the week. If you can go to daily uh -huh. mass, make sure you're going to confession at least once a month. You know, these are the things and you will be more aware of God speaking into your life and guiding you. And I'll never forget, Father Switzer, since I was a little girl, always hearing, you know, the stories of sacred scripture. For example, you know, starting with Samuel as a little boy. Uh -huh hearing God speak to him in the, little, in the middle of the night. And I'd always love when he'd say, here I am over and over again. Yeah. Here I am. But if you look throughout the whole of scripture, there are multiple people who looked at our Lord, heard his voice and said, here I am, Lord. And I know for me in my own life, just looking and saying, here I am, Lord, send me, especially in those moments where maybe you feel like you're not doing enough, or maybe you're feeling called in a certain direction to just pray that prayer, whatever it may be. Here I am, Lord, 
send me. Yeah. I mean, that is a great prayer. And little Samuel there, you know, when he gets the advice from Eli, of course, uh, says the right thing. And um, look at where it got him. Lord sent him. And so um, if you pray uh, to be sent, he will send uh, send you. And there's that wonderful, you know, passage, you know, who shall we send? You know, who shall, you know, take our uh, stead? You know, and then this little voice ekes out, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. We may not see as big of extremes as the burning bush and God calling <laughs> out saying, Moses, Moses. But I mean, yeah. there Moses says, here I am. You know, these this is the story of scripture. Are we willing to answer the call of Christ in our lives? That's right. And every time you say, send me, you're going to do a whole lot of good for your little part of the universe and the whole order of salvation. We'll be right back here on Trending with Tim Ray with Father Robert Spitzer. We'll be talking about the spiritual works of mercy, where God can send us. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. How do we have a better supernatural outlook on life? You know, we get so wrapped up in wanting, you know, the little things in life to be answered in prayer or even worrying about the little things. It could be money for rent next month. It could be our health day and the challenges that come our way. But ultimately, what's going to get us to heaven? And I love during Lent, we have the opportunity to make reparation for our sins. We have that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And so the theme of this week's shows with Father Spitzer here has been, what about those spiritual and corporal works of mercy? Mm -hmm. How can we live them out? How is this almsgiving? So, Father, let's talk about the spiritual works of mercy. Mm -hmm. The first three are instruct the ignorant, admonish the sinner, and counsel the doubtful. Mm -hmm. So I know you and I earlier in the week talked a little bit about instructing the ignorant, but let's play this one out a little bit because this has been fundamental <laughs> to your mission oh, and yeah. even the work here of our radio show. Oh, yeah. So I I mean, I got into the whole Jesuit uh, order, frankly, because I felt a real definitive call to instruct people about the love of God that I had discovered, um, you know, initially through really physics and philosophy. And then I settled into the, the church through the great St. Thomas Aquinas quite by accident. Um, I'd never even heard of him before I went to college. And so uh, um, all these things, you know, were guidance of God, as we were previously talking about. And so it, it really was important. But there was a definitive moment uh, in my own life where I discovered this was what God was calling me to. And, um, you know, I was asked by a nice girlfriend to, you know, teach ninth grade CCD classes, uh, catechism classes. And so I said, oh, you know, you got the wrong guy. I'm more of a numbers guy, you know, you get somebody else. And she really confronted me. She said, great, do nothing for anyone for the rest of your life. I go, she said oh, that? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I said, gee, you know, uh, okay, maybe I could teach a a you class took her or seriously. Two. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, she seemed like yeah. you didn't marry her, but you took yeah, the mission on. <laughs> I did take the mission on. So anyway, uh, so this uh, I, I thought, well, you know, what can I teach? She's yeah, and finally I just thought, you know, I'm going to teach him a little bit about the evidence for God from science. 
So uh, these are these ninth grade boys, you know, and they're all coming into the class. And so I, I, I oh, by the way, I told the, this wonderful lady, I said, uh, you know, she said, well, what are you going to teach him? I said, I'm going to teach him, you know, the, 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 this, uh, you know, significance of a singularity equation, what it means for creation <laughs> of the universe. And she goes, well, go right ahead. So I go in there and uh, these kids are looking and I, I, I think I put a, a, maybe an equation or something on the board. I forget what I had, but it was an unusual thing. And these kids are looking at me and going, is this the catechism class? I said, it certainly is. I have a seat, you know. So, uh, And, of course, I'm a college student. They were uh, uh, ninth graders. So uh, uh, I started, and I'm going to go, well, today we're talking about the significance of, you know, what science is discovering about the dynamics and the geo, ge- geodesic of the universe. And these kids are going, what the heck? So I started talking about, you know, Friedman and so forth. And uh, all of a sudden I see these tablets are coming out and going on the desk probably for the first time ever in a catechism class. And they're trying to jot down some notes because they this glimmer of hope is coming in their eyes. Anyway, to make a long story short, this kid, he, the littlest kid in the class, he walks up to me after the class is over and he goes, are you going to be our catechism teacher for the rest of the year? And this look was in his eyes. And I had planned to do one class. And these words escaped my lips. Yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. I just saw the good I could do. I, could, I saw the hope that I gave, not just that kid, but other kids in the class. I could tell this is exactly what they needed to hear. They were looking for it. I could actually do something good. And I felt that call to instruct, as it were, the ignorant, that is to say those who, who really don't know why they believe or why their parents believe what they believe. And so um, uh, it's really an important ministry, and I gave my life over to it. Uh, imagine doing that as a junior in college. Wow. And how humbling that is. You know, when you have someone for you going, you're actually feeding me truth. You are giving me answers to some of the deepest questions of my life. How could you say no in that moment? Oh, no, I couldn't. You saw the value in life. And, you know, maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening right now and you're being asked to do something that is outside of the box, is uncomfortable. You know, it might be helping to feed the poor. It might be getting involved in volunteering to teach catechism. It could be any number of things. But you have no idea how God will literally transform you through your yes to him. Absolutely. It goes both ways. And uh, when you see that little you know, moment of peace or joy or hope come onto a kid's face who previously just thought, well, uh, this is all there is out there and I'm not at the top of the heap. And there's that worry, that anxiety, that feeling judged and everything else, and all of a sudden you just change their worldview in one fell swoop. Imagine the capacity to do that. I mean, I had a teacher, uh, my eighth grade catechism teacher, I just, Mr. Ko, I, I'm sure he's deceased by now, wonderful Chinese man, and he uh, basically, I just remember the first day when he was talking about the act of contrition, and I just thought, gosh, that makes sense to me. Never forgot it. Didn't forget half of his classes. You just never know. And this can happen in the eighth grade. It could happen in 10th grade, whatever. It could happen in college. But 
you could be a part of that great ministry. And um, sometimes it, it, it even means departing from the textbook and really, you know, speaking about your own religious experience and journey with these kids in class. It's the extemp stuff that, that frequently does stick with kids. Or just when you point out something that's a little more profound than, than the textbooks had in mind. And my challenge is to dive deeper. If you're feeling called to work through uh, in catechism courses and teaching, you don't have to know it all, but you do need to dive mm-hmm. in to learn so that you can teach it, so that you do know it. And if you don't have an answer, tell someone you'll get back to them. You know, I, especially yeah. working on radio and father, I'm sure yourself as well. You know, there are times where you have to say, you know, let me get back to have a little clear answer. Or after the fact, we'll say, you know, I could have said this better to you to help you understand. Yeah. No, I actually, uh, if I could do some shameless self-advertising, if you do want to do that and you want to become an evangelizer and even work in a seventh or eighth grade catechism class with these kids, may I beg you to go to CredibleCatholic.com, click on the seven essential modules, watch them yourselves. And if you just watch the video thing, the video parts of those messages, you know, just take one of those or two or three of those 10-minute videos, download them to your computer and just show them to your class. I mean, you can just play the computer so that the kids can hear the audio. That's good enough. And then discuss that audio, you know, um, because I'm telling you, you know, those embedded videos, just by showing them those things, you have a captive audience. It could make a huge difference to the rest of their lives. All they got to do is get one Bob Spitzer insight in a Mr. Coe class, and they may wind up being your next vocation. So um, I'm begging you, CredibleCatholic.com, click on the seven essential modules, watch, download, play for the kids around you, play for your kids, but just get them the evidence they need to keep the faith. And this isn't just for kids. This is for all of us, for yeah. adults. I look at CredibleCatholic.com, and it's so clearly laid out. The resources are there, and people ask me all the time, you know, what resources, what books? And, you know, I know a lot of people are on a budget. It's there for free for you. Mm-hmm. You can sit on your phone and browse through it while you're sitting for True. a doctor's appointment, or you can sit there going through it at home late at night when you can't sleep. We were talking about not being able to sleep. I mean, this is a resource to help you go deeper into your faith and to help others. And I want to touch on two of the other spiritual works of mercy sure. here. And by the way, you're listening to Trending with Timory. You can learn more at radiotrending.com or follow me on Instagram at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. So next, admonish the sinner. Mm-hmm. Being willing in fraternal charity to correct or call other people out of sin or the near occasion of sin we need to stop being afraid of this one because if we're yeah. truly friends, we can do this incredibly lovingly. Yeah, I think there's three things that are almost prerequisites, and they're all good for us. The first thing is, is you know, if we're going to call somebody out of sin, we've got to be able to to know within ourselves that hey, you know, I'm I'm making an effort and I'm kind of getting out of it. Doesn't mean to say we've been perfect all our lives. The Lord knows I haven't been. That's for sure. And I've had my moments to this very day when I can show impatience beyond belief. But the point is that um, if we're making an effort ourselves, then we can help others 
to to get out of that darkness because there is such a seduction to so many of these deadly sins. And, you know, so the first thing is, is let's make our own attempt to, 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 to do that. And that's going to be a great investment in our Lenten lives. If I could ask you just for a homework assignment or maybe a little prayer assignment, if you've got 15 minutes a day designated for prayer, may I ask you to commit two of those days out of seven per week to an examination of conscience. There are many good ones. Or you could just go to the eight deadly sins, right? You could just take a look at a list of, you know, gluttony, sloth, um, lust, envy, anger, pride, etc., and just say, how am I doing in these areas? Lord, lead me to some improvement. Amen to that. And we'll dive into the other two elements to be aware of before you admonish a fellow sinner. I think that's important. So we'll dive into those and we'll be back talking about the rest of the spiritual works of mercy here on Trending. Don't go away. You can visit visit radiotrending.com during this quick pause. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center is here with us. You can learn more about him and his work at CredibleCatholic.com. Again, that's CredibleCatholic.com. We're talking about the spiritual works of mercy. We're just talking about instructing the ignorant. There is a great resource to help you in our own ignorance and helping others. I feel like it's so rude sometimes. Instruct the ignorant. Yeah. I mean, but we have to have yeah. some humility here. There's a lot of ignorance in ourselves. But we were just talking about admonishing sinners, and you were talking about three things that if we're going to do this in fraternal charity, you got to know yourself through that examination of conscience, and then you're going to talk about two, two other, other steps. Yeah. The second thing is we probably need to get a little education into morals, you know, and why is it that that something, you know, is leading us into darkness, and 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 so we want to really get the, you know, the mind of the church and the mind of Jesus Christ, and that's going to be really important. Because sometimes we'll say, well, I don't think, you know, the church teaches X is wrong, but I don't think it's wrong. Or the church teaches Y is wrong, but they're just being discriminatory against, you know, a, per, a, a particular group. Or the church teaches Z is wrong, but the reason they're teaching that Z is wrong is because they're just prudes and they, they don't know any better anyway. And they can't understand the society we live in, et cetera, et cetera. And so we tend, you know, bef- you know to start pushing things around, but we really need to understand the mind of Christ, which Christ understands the darkness that uh, all eight deadly sins can lead us toward. Christ understands the darkness of violating the Ten Commandments, even in their more subtle ways. And so we want to get his mind. We want to get his heart. We've got to know, here's the darkness of these things, and at the same time to understand the light of the virtues and really want those virtues so that, uh, you know, we, we can be free and we can be bringers of good and we won't lead anybody into darkness. And so that's, uh, I think we really want to learn that. And the third thing is that we live our lives according to what I call the three noble intentions. And this is really important. If we don't have the noble intentions ourselves, what's the point of admonishing the sinner? Because we're going to just get so bollocked up in our own lives we won't find our way out of sin. 
So uh, here, the, here goes. This has to be the intentions that kind of rule your soul. Number one, Lord, I desire to please you. I certainly desire to please you because you're guiding me and you love me. But I desire to please you because you are all good. And pleasing you will get to the goal of goodness. I desire to please you because you are all loving. And pleasing you will do get me to the goal of loving others. I desire to please you because you are all salvation. And, and you get the point. So you want to say, Lord, the one thing I want to do is I want to please you because that's going to lead to salvation. And that's going to lead not just to my salvation. I can really help people to get out of darkness. Number two, I don't ever, ever, ever want to lead anybody into darkness. I don't want to do it even out of innocence where I say to somebody, ah, that's not wrong, or ah, don't worry about it, or, you know, and so forth and so on. And then I find out five years later that I led somebody into a terrible darkness, either by neglect or by actually almost encouraging them to do that. Remember St. Augustine, you know, and there's nothing wrong with going to the Colosseum and seeing a bunch of gladiators murder each other until he figures out that this one guy says, you know, I really have bloodlust. I'll get addicted to that. Please don't bring me over there. A guy says, no problems. Just come along. You'll be okay. And of course, you know the rest of the story. That poor kid did get addicted. And Augustine felt horrible about it for the rest of his life. But the main thing is, if you know the darkness of, of those deadly sins and you know the light of Christ, just put that noble intention out. Lord, I don't want to do any darkness. All I want to do is bring light. Help me to bring the most amount of light that I can. And that's my second noble intention. And the third noble intention is I never want to cooperate with the devil. I never, ever, ever want to cooperate with the domain of darkness, the domain of evil, the domain that that deprives and, and, and negates and undermines human beings, their salvation, their capacity to love, and the goodness itself that God is. I never want to be uh, cooperative with that in any way, shape, or form. And so uh, I ask the Lord, please, Lord, uh, help me. My noble intention is to, is to do your will according to the way you want me to do it and to move away from darkness. You're listening to Trending with Timory. A brief message about our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable, quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center is here with us, and we have four or five more of the Spiritual Works of Mercy to get through in these last few minutes here. Uh, The next would be Counsel the Doubtful, and this focuses so much on the theological virtue of hope and helping others to see hope in the life, even in the midst of challenging situations. Yeah, and I think, again, um, it's got that movement of the heart that you see someone who's living in doubt, and that doubt is eclipsing their hope. That doubt is pushing them, uh, you know, to that um, inevitable depression and terrible situation, right, where we see a 46% increase in the depression rate 
among young people in the last 15 years, 46% in 15 years. So it's skyrocketing out of control. So this particular spiritual work of mercy is super important that when we see somebody in doubt, we get them some evidence that they need, or we get them to a, you know, a, a balance where they can start integrating some prayer. Because you know, when you pray, the Lord will respond. He comes to you. 90% of the fruit of prayer is outside of prayer. Let the Lord get in there, and, 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 and you know, maybe by helping them to pray, uh, of course, get them to the sacraments because uh, the Lord really works through the Holy Eucharist and through the uh, Sacrament of Reconciliation. And you may be listening here to us on Relevant Radio, and this is part of the reason why a lot of people tune into Relevant Radio across the nation is because we're focused on hope. And when, we, when I hear Father Spitzer at this high suicide rate, I keep thinking, where are the Christians? Where is the joy? Where is the truth? Where is the hope? This is what we're called to bring into the culture right now. That's right. Uh, that's why we designed the Credible Catholic website. This is a hope pill, and uh, but in order in this culture, you got to do science-based apologetics. I'll be really honest with yes. you. So if you can get some science-based evidence for Jesus, for the soul, for God, et cetera, and even for the church, if you can bring out some miracles, if you can bring out just just to advance that whole dimension of hope, there you will find um, you know that you give these people just a little glimmer, a hope pill, a little foundation, something they can fall back on when things get a little bad. And they'll go, well, maybe old Timory was right there. Maybe old Spitzer was right there. You know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe there's just something there. Maybe I ought to go to church, et cetera, et cetera. The next four that we have wrapping up these spiritual works yeah. of mercy are bear wrongs patiently, forgive mm-hmm. offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted and pray for the living and the dead. Boy, Father, I look at these and it requires getting Uh over myself to make these four happen. (laughs) That is very true. You know, praying for the living and the dead, of course, uh, that's something we can, yeah, we can do every day. But boy, you know, forgiving willingly, you know, you really have to orient yourself toward the mind and heart of Jesus to do that. Um, But it makes all the difference in the world, even today's gospel. You know, there's that beautiful prayer, the Our Father, and what does Jesus reiterate afterwards? If you don't forgive others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And uh, if you do forgive others, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. So um, that's why the the little petition in the Our Fathers, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that is the big, huge getting over um, the... The, the tragedy that's befallen. I know how difficult it is. I'm not underestimating it or just trying to belittle you know, people who feel horrible about people who've mistreated them. They, they have the right to feel horrible. But at some point, we have to give that into God's hands. I find the prayer that makes it really work for me is, Lord, you're the just judge. Mm. You take care of it. And then I start giving that, oh, that feeling of just damage and hurt I give it over to the Lord. And, you know, so, Lord, you're the just judge. You take care of it. And lo and behold, you will see that that attitude of forgiveness starts uh, happening. And then after a while, that offense doesn't mean that much anymore. And you just let it go. Our parish priest, Father John Lyons, was over at our house last week, and he was telling the story of St. Therese of Lisieux that I hadn't heard before about when she was trying to give the keys to something at the convent back to her, both biological sister and her, mm-hmm. who was also a religious sister who was over 
her and she was trying to give the keys back but one of the other sisters kept saying no she's not feeling well give them to me and saint trez was saying no and she refused and her sister Mm -hmm. ends up waking up and saying kind of what's going on and saint trez really share that the best thing for her to do was just to turn around walk away and say nothing because she knew herself in that moment and the frustration she had and i think of that when i look at these spiritual works of mercy bear wrongs patiently forgive offenses willingly i don't know all the context of that story but sometimes Mm -hmm. silence and walking away really is the best option yeah and uh or just uh, giving it over to god to help you too That's Father Robert Spitzer of the Magis Center. You can dive into so many of the incredible resources that he has shared and put together since the beginning of his work in evangelization that you see started right there at the beginning with that ninth grade catechism class. And maybe it could for you too. So please head over to CredibleCatholic.com. That's CredibleCatholic.com. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes.